How early will the current Saints number one wideout be selected? Will a first-round tight end take a tumble into the second or even third round tonight? And could a breakout AFC South receivers draft stock take a huge rise this evening? Follow along with the live draft board tonight and listen to pick-by-pick analysis as we call the action from the 2021 Football Guys Players Championship live on HSFF Hour Draft to see 12 high-stakes owners take their shot at $500,000 tonight. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than me. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Rob, and good evening to all the Balkaholics and Ferreliacs. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. I am your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football. He is Farrell Elliott. Tonight, we have a very special Another live draft episode for you. It's the 2021 Football Guys Players Championship live on HSFF Hour uh, Draft tonight. We will be covering it for the next two hours. Follow the live draft board at youtube.com slash football. Shout out to the chat room right now. We have a ton of guests in there. You can post your questions. All the questions you might have in tonight's draft, FFPC Fantasy Football, and more at um, uh, in the draft room, obviously you can connect with us on Twitter at HSFFO or at Eric Balkman, at J Farrell Elliott, at KFFSC this evening. Uh, Facebook.com slash HSFFO is where you can reach us as well. If you want to chime in and talk with us, give us a call. The phone number, 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. You can also email the show at the inbox, football at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us, now is the time to send them. We'll try to get to all the chat room questions, suites, and emails throughout the show tonight. I want to uh, bring in my co-host, the co-host with the most uh, tonight on the HSFF Hour. You know him as, well, no, I, I, I'll tell you what. I won't bring him in yet. I will bring him in shortly, not right now. But I want to bring in um, all our guests, all our drafters tonight, live on the HSFF Hour. Here is the lineup. These are the contestants drafting for a half-million-dollar grand prize, and they are uh, broadcasting live with you, with me, here on the HSFF Hour. Drafting tonight, 
Number one, Jimmy Wagner, the draft dogs from the uh, one spot tonight, followed by Wayne Ferguson, pound for pound from the two. Chris Vincent and Zeb Cap, the fantasy grotto team at the three spot. Hitting cleanup tonight is Biplab Mandel. Bitcoin, great team name, and he is drafting fourth tonight. Jared Hines, one for the dumb at the five spot. Chris Carlson, I will forever um, refer to him as the asterisk as he is drafting sixth after Hines tonight. John Terry, Wasps Bedazzled Codpiece. This is a team that has been going hard <laughs> versus um, uh, um, Hudson Kern-Reeve uh, tonight. John Terry is uh, drafting seventh, and uh, we'll get into Hudson Kern-Reeve's team here tonight shortly. Jim Johnston, Joe Jama, drafting eighth. Gasoline and propane, Joseph Paprizicki at the nine spot. Jemima's Peroni's variant. That is indeed Hudson Kern-Reeve tonight drafting from the 10 spot. And then the 11 is the uh, blind visionary herself, Liz Ballard. Get your shine box. That's last week's guest, Norm Barron's drafting 12 tonight. We are already through the first round tonight, ladies and gentlemen. And I'll tell you how it ended up. Uh, Jimmy Wagner took Christian McCaffrey at the 101. No surprise there. As well as the 102, Wayne Ferguson, uh, pound for pound, takes Dalvin Cook. Huge, 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 huge uh, big-time pick at the 103 tonight. Big surprise. It is Antonio Gibson, the Washington football team running back uh, tonight to uh, Vincent and Cap at the 103. Never saw this coming. And I got to tell you, Chris Vincent teased me um, earlier today saying that this could have been a shock pick at the 103. It was indeed Antonio Gibson at the 103 for a half million bucks from Vincent and Cap. 104 is Travis Kelsey from Biplab Mandel. Ezekiel Elliott at the 105 tonight for one for the dumb. That is Jared Hines tonight, ladies and gentlemen, taking Elliott at the 105. The first receiver is indeed off the board at the 106. Chris Carlson takes Stephon Diggs there as, you know, ahead of Hill, ahead of Adams, ahead of everybody else. 106, Stephon Diggs tonight. Alvin Kamara falls to the 107 to John Terry. The 108 is indeed Jim Johnston. He takes Derrick Henry there. Tyreek Hill, the number one receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs, to gasoline and propane. That's Joseph Paprizicki drafting the number two receiver off the board tonight. Tyreek Hill, Saquon Barkley. Um, goes a little bit higher. You know, we've, we've done all these pros versus Joes. We've done the Football Guys Players Championship, the FFPC main event. Saquon Barkley had been falling to the end of the uh, first round, sometimes the early second round tonight. He goes at the 110 to Jemima Peroni's variant, uh, a.k.a. the Truth Warriors. That is Hudson Reeve tonight drafting Saquon Barkley there. Darren Waller. We, we thought he might fall out of the first round. We thought he might fall to um, maybe even the third tonight with uh, three consecutive missed practices. He does not. Darren Waller to the 111 blind visionary Liz Ballard tonight drafts. Uh, Darren Waller is the second tight end off the board. And then a surprising, uh, I, I guess, first round pick tonight, the number eight running back off the board, your or my Green Bay Packers, Aaron Jones, get your shine box. That is Norm Barron's.
taking Aaron Jones at the 112 tonight. So, ladies and gentlemen, as we look at the first round tonight, we have eight running backs off the board. Aaron Jones, the eighth of the running backs, two tight ends, two receivers. That is your first round tonight as all of these competitors try to win a half million dollars in the 2021 Football Guys Players Championship. If you are listening live for the first time to the HSFF Hour, I want to remind you that we normally air at 10, 9 Central each and every Friday year-round. This is not a uh, thing that we do during football season. We do this year-round. On-demand streaming available for listening anytime via a variety of apps, including hsffhour.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Amazon Alexa, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Spreaker, Deezer, Verbal, Podchaser, Audioburst, Geosavon, Gana, Breaker, CastBox, Over, uh, beg your pardon, Overcast, Podbean, PocketCast, Radio Public, Podcast Addict, and Anchor. If you cannot find the HSFF Hour on whatever streaming service you listen to, let us know at highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. We'll try to get it on there. But this is uh, an interesting start to the draft tonight. Darren Waller, who was going in the middle of the first round, falls to the end of the first round tonight. We have Travis Kelsey going at the 104 tonight. No surprise there. I think the big shock tonight at the first round, uh, in the first round was Zeb Cap and Chris Vincent going with Antonio Gibson at the 103. I believe we will get to talk to Chris Vincent shortly here tonight, probably within the next 10 to 15 minutes, and we'll find out what he was thinking with Antonio Gibson at the 103. But that has been the biggest um, uh, standout tonight in the first round. No surprise, Ezekiel Elliott at the 105. We've seen Travis Kelsey go as early as the 102. Um, He falls to the 104 tonight. To Bipleb Mandel, no surprise there, I guess. Derrick Henry, normally going in the first half of first rounds of uh, the Football Guys Players Championship and the FFPC main event, as well as FFPC uh, satellite drafts as well. He falls tonight to the 108 to Jim Johnston. A little bit of a surprise there, but um, nothing huge. You know, Darren Waller, and I can bring up this right now, um, and, and as we, le- we led into the show tonight, I knew that um, Darren Waller falling was going to be a uh, potential story, and it did happen tonight. Now, Darren Waller, as, uh, as we all know who have drafted in the Football Guys Players Championship and the FFPC main event, he normally is going right around that midpoint of the first round, sometimes in the first half of the first round. We did not see that tonight. And I think a part of the reason is um, Darren Waller is injured right now or hurt or whatever. We don't know. But as, as far as what has been reported, Vic Tafur on Twitter today said that Darren Waller has now missed three consecutive practices for dun, 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 an undisclosed reason. So we don't know why he has missed so many practices this week. John Gruden is going to speak to the media tomorrow, which is Saturday. Uh, Victor Ford is reporting this for The Athletic. We don't know um, what it is. We believe that it is not a serious injury. The second tight end off the board in the FFPC right now, Darren Waller, who had been going in the mid-first round, falls tonight 
to blind visionary Liz Ballard at the 111. Um, Derek Carr is looking for him as his number one target this year. Darren Waller has done nothing to uh, think that he will not be a stud in fantasy right now. I don't know why he fell um, to to the 111 uh, specific. I mean, I guess I know why he fell. I just don't know what, what it's attributed to. We don't know if he's dealing with something serious, something casual. I have no idea. Let's go to the phone lines right now. We'll take it out to the 971. You are on the air on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour for the live Football Guys Draft tonight here on the HSFF Hour. Who are we speaking with? Hey there. This is uh, Jared Hines uh, from the five spot here. I'm coming up with my pick here in a moment. At ship underscore chaser, it is indeed Jared Hines uh, drafting, as you said, from the five spot tonight. So let's talk about this uh, a little bit, Jared. You've been on this show before. You've been on the road of his high stakes lowdown. Were you surprised to get Ezekiel Elliott at the five, or was this a player you're considering? Uh, no, it's definitely a player I was considering. I am on the clock right here, but I'll quickly just to piggyback off your uh, Darren Waller uh, story. I, I, I mocked out a bunch of situations earlier today before I read the news to take Waller at five. That was my plan today. And then I read that news, right. and I'm like, well, okay, I'm going to go a different way. But uh, here, I'm going to go ahead and make my pick here, and it will also be green. I can freaking find him. Oh, by the way, Jared Hines drafting Ezekiel Elliott in the first round, getting DK Metcalf in the second. Coming up in 305, what is the pick for you, Jared? Uh, I'm taking TJ Hackinson. It's a little bit earlier than he usually goes, but, um, you know, I'm drafting a lot of these teams. This room in particular is really good. Uh, we've already seen a few, or a couple picks anyway, and like the Gibson pick is obviously a huge surprise. Um, Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, Kittle lasting until the third is incredible, too. But, uh, no, what I'm, I'm going for a unique build here. And, um, like I said, I was I was thinking about building it around Waller in the first round at the five, but then this news broke today. And so I'm like, I pivoted to, like, okay, I'm going to build something around Ezekiel because he'll probably be there at five. Um, what was so your, that was where I was thinking. Jared, what was your reaction to Gibson when you saw him go off at the 103 tonight? I was like, oh, my God, I might get Kelsey. Oh, my God, I might get Kelsey. Like, I didn't really think she was going <laughs> to fall to five, you know. But I was like, okay, that's one thing that has to happen. You know, plus Cook's going to two kind of, you know, maybe help it along. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm pretty big on Gibson. Uh, I mean, I even, like, wrote an article about him. But um, that was before. I'm a little bit nervous about his toe. But I do think the sky is the limit. Um, I'm a big fan of what the Washington football team is doing. I'm a Ron Rivera fan. Uh, I think this could be a glory. Well, I mean, maybe I shouldn't talk too openly here, but uh, I, I like Antonio Gibson. I think that's obviously pretty early, but uh, this contest is all about building your team to win it all, you know? What was your plan when you saw the Darren Waller news? Where did you think he was going to be selected tonight, given that he has missed the last three practices <laughs> for a reason we don't know of? Yeah, I mean, I figured uh, – Somewhere around there, 111 is probably would have been a good guess. Um, I thought maybe he'd fall even into the second a little bit, but I think I don't know. I, I kind of I read the news and I thought about it a little bit more. And if it was bad news, um, I would think that the beat writers would be vultures all over that. But that's probably not really uh, <laughs> that's just wishful thinking. I don't know. 
Um, it's, you know, I, I, I like to think it's nothing. I've got a lot of shares of him, you know, across leagues, and, you know, I'm a huge fan. But uh, we don't know. Gruden is going to have a press conference tomorrow, and I guess we'll find out. You have drafted in the Football Guys Players Championship a lot over the years. In fact, uh, third place two years ago in the FPC. I'm just kind of curious when you do these drafts and you've done a bunch of them, is there a set um, sort of rubric that you follow? Is there a set um, formula that you want to follow as far as drafting the most dominant team as possible? Or is this um, totally purely based on each individual draft, Jared? Well, I approach each individual draft differently. I mean, the slot that you get and what the ADP landscape looks like at that moment in time is a factor. Um, I try to, you know, I draft from my tiers that I build, which is based on how I view the landscape out there. And um, by drafting several teams, you know, obviously you're trying to go for a diversity of players and of uh, different build types. Um, each year is a little bit different. I mean, being tight end premium, um, you know, in past seasons, like in 2019, okay, for example, I took third place in the thing, but I had Waller and Mark Andrews as pretty late round picks that hit big. This year, I don't know if I'm going to find somebody like that. I don't know if there's going to be those late round tight ends. I mean, I'm going to still look for them, but I've kind of, you know, like my read of the landscape this year is I want one of these top tight ends. So reaching for Hawkinson here, for example, um, I just didn't believe that between him, Pitts, and Andrews, that either of the three would fall back to me in the four. This room, I didn't think that was going to happen, and I didn't want to put myself in that spot. So, We look at your uh, second-round pick, D.K. Metcalf, here, and, and I'm curious because he was the fifth receiver off the board. One of the things that we have talked about on this program is Russell Wilson, you know, the, a guy who's super talented, has the tools there, And it seems like Pete Carroll and the Seattle offense only wants to let him loose in the fourth quarter. When you look at DK Metcalf, why do you think that Metcalf is going to have this big time 2021 season, given what we've seen from the Seattle offense uh, the past couple of years? Well, I mean, they're going to throw to him as the number one target. He's definitely the alpha. He's Last year, in his second season, he got uh, 20 points per game in in 10 blow-up games. He had four duds, but that's fantasy football for you. Um, I think he's definitely in that top tier tier of guys that is as good of a chance as anybody as finishing as the overall number one. But for me, it's not necessarily about who finishes overall number one for the season, who is capable of putting up 45 points in one game, and in particular in the championship round. So I'm looking for guys with upside that can put up gigantic games um, I think his floor is pretty big. He he's only had a he had four dud games last year. Um, I guess I shouldn't talk to you openly about teammates, but um, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to get him here. So, though part of part of this is the Bills construct. Okay, so by the way, this Ezekiel Metcalf Hawkinson start, as far as I understand from the Stack Finder tool, is a unique start. Nobody has those three players. I'm going to say that openly. But that's something I was going for, like guys that are within my tiers that are guys I'm going for in kind of the range of where they're going at. But You touched on the Hawkinson pick earlier. Um, normally he does not go this early as far as uh, the Football Guys Players Championship goes. In fact, normally he right. is going as the tight end five at the 312. You made him the 305 tonight. New quarterback, new offense, Jared Goff 
what do you like about Hawkinson this year that is really separating himself here in the uh, third round from the other tight ends? Uh, his projected target volume and going into his third year with his talent, um, you know, outside of, of injuries, I don't see him getting less than 120 targets this year. I'm not super crazy about Jared Goff. Um, okay, I'm on the clock here. Um, but, I mean, you know, Goff is a competent enough quarterback. They paid him a bunch. They're going to let him, you know, sink or swim. Um, let's find my guy here. We have a pick coming up here on the clock for, uh, yeah, for no, one I, Jared Hines I, at the at the the 408 tonight. There we go. Elliot Metcalf go. Hawkinson, who's joining the crew here tonight for you, Jared? All right, Travis Etienne. It's another bye week seven running back, but I'll live with it. Etienne is interesting because I would say over the last week there's been a lot of pundits, a lot of people out there, a lot of services <laughs> saying saying that Etienne could be a league winner this year despite the presence of Trevor Lawrence, despite the presence of James Robinson, why are you a believer in ETN this year in the Football Guys Players Championship? Well, I mean, it's probably a couple of reasons there, but uh, Trevor Lawrence would be a, a positive reason, in my opinion. Um, James Robinson certainly is going to be, you know, an impediment, and he's there, and his role is certainly a question mark. But every, for the most part, every team in the league has a one-two punch at running back. And if they don't, they kind of want to usually, unless they really do have one of the top alpha. I mean, if you got Christian McCaffrey, he's getting most of the touches. But, um, you know, I think in fantasy football, we have to have a little bit of some expectations of what kind of running backs we're going to get in the fourth, fifth, sixth round in terms of their uh, role on their offense and how many touches they're going to get. But ETN, they drafted him in the first round. Um, I, a lot of people think he's the best running back in the class. I, I wouldn't know. He's certainly – you know, one of the top three anyway. Um, but Trevor Lawrence, i got to expect, makes that offense a lot better. Having Etienne and Robinson is a formidable duo in the backfield and the receiver core there. That could be a really good offense. And Etienne being a first-round draft pick, the guy that they brought in that the coach likes supposedly more than Robinson, I don't know. It's uh, – I think he can have league-winning upside. And if he gets as much receptions as they've been talking about throughout the offseason and how much they want to involve him in the passing game and in a PPR format. And Elliot Metcalf Hawkinson ETN start for Jared Hines, who you can follow on Twitter, at ship underscore chaser, the third-place overall team in the 2019 Football Guys Players Championship. You can check out all his work at Dynasty Football Factory. Jared Thanks so much for uh, chiming in tonight. We certainly appreciate your input. And uh, good luck the rest of the way, man. Hopefully this is the uh, half-million-dollar grand prize coming to you this way with this draft tonight. Yeah, all right, man. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it, Bucky. Have a good night, and uh, see how the rest of this draft goes. Jared Hines, ladies and gentlemen, we will see how the rest of this draft goes. Want to catch you up on uh, the round, the second round. Actually, here's what I'll do. I'll go through the second and third round, and then I want to go out to the East Coast here for a guest of a former guest of the show that I want to talk to here and, and find out how his draft is going as he is drafting tonight as well. So we left off with Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler to uh, Norm Barron's, Devontae Adams, the third receiver off the board, to Liz Ballard, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire 
will go to Hudson Kern Reeve at the 203. Calvin Ridley, the only team to go receiver, receiver to start off. That is Joseph Paprizicki. He goes Tyreek Hill and then Calvin Ridley. A bunch of running backs after that. Jonathan Taylor to Jim Johnston. Nick Chubb to John Terry, followed by Najee Harris, the uh, quasi-stud from Thursday night's Hall of Fame game. Najee Harris goes in the second round to Chris Carlson. You already heard the DK Metcalf pick to uh, Jared Hines. DeAndre Hopkins, Bipleb Mandel, and then Joe Mixon off the board to Cap and Vincent. Terry McLaurin to Wayne Ferguson. And then the final pick of the second round is indeed David Montgomery to Jimmy Wagner tonight to pair with Christian McCaffrey. Let's go out to the uh, phone lines here, and we're going to go to the 508, a guy you have heard on this show pretty recently. You follow him on Twitter at Amity Hooks. It is Norm Behrens who is drafting from the 12 spot tonight. Norm, we are four rounds in. How's your team looking? How do you feel about it? Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler, Cooper Cup, and Mark Andrews. Hey, Palky. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm liking a start. I mean, obviously, this is some high-level competition in this in this draft, so I'm just reacting from the corner. And, uh, you know, it's it's tough to be in the 12-1 on the on the wrap as well as the 1-2, but it also helps set pace for other rounds. So I'm, I'm liking it so far. I think the Eckler pick was was somebody that you probably weren't planning on getting here in the second round. Why was he available? Why why did people discount him until the 201 where you could grab him here to pair with Aaron Jones? I think a lot of people have him discounted just because of the injury last year. I mean, but he's so valuable as a as a PPR back and a uh, a mainstay in that offense. So I, I again Based on the fact that I'm not drafting again for another what 23 picks, I I wanted to make sure I got <laughs> back that I can count on for some PPR points in the season. Well, let's talk about that Aaron Jones pick because I have seen Najee Harris, Nick Chubb, and Jonathan Taylor, and to a certain extent um, Joe Mixon, all go at the end of the first round in certain football guys drafts, FFPC satellite drafts, FFPC best ball drafts. I've seen all of those players go ahead of Aaron Jones. You made Aaron Jones your first overall selection tonight at the 112. Why was he the pick over all of those running backs? And quite frankly, his real-life teammate, Devontae Adams, and Calvin Ridley as well. So, yeah, this is a calculated uh, pick on our part. We were talking about it this week. We have enough shares of of uh, Najee and, and Eckler, and, and we have – especially from this side of the draft, we're just, to be honest, we're just sick of that week seven bye, and it affects us. And with Rogers reporting to camp, I think Aaron Jones, or, yeah, Aaron's going to do really good this year. So we just decided as, as odd as it might seem to skip over what we had been picking and go with a commodity that probably could be as productive, um, knowing that we were definitely going to take Eckler there if he's available. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't see it as any crazier than Aaron Gibson at three, but it's it's uh, at least a variance for me, for us. Norm, with the uh, Football Guys Players Championship where you have to beat out thousands of other teams, do you find yourself drafting differently in this format than you would as if it were like a, you know, quote-unquote, a closed 12-team league where you only have to beat out 11 other teams? How, do you, how, do you, how does your draft strategy differ in this type of format 
you know, when I first started playing Wyckoff and I switched over to FFPC, you know, obviously the big dance is the goal, but I've kind of changed my position a little bit to try and just have um, the expectation of doing well in the league that you're in. So it's, it's still to me a, a competition against 11 other players that gets you the, uh, the one shot that brings you back next season with the ability to get into the big dance. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with just assuming the league is just trying to beat 11 other great guys and, and then hope you can, you can get into that end game and, and compete and be, be uh, successful. <laughs> Jones, Eckler, Cup, and Andrews are on your squad so far. You are on the clock at the 512 and the 601. Two running backs, a receiver, and a tight end are on your team. Norm, which way are you leaning here with your next two picks? Yeah, I'm probably going to go off script from the norm. Um, Pun intended, but pun intended. <laughs> uh, I don't like having two wide receivers at the same bye week, but I think Sutton's going to have a good season. And uh, I'm trying to figure out where I want to go with this next. Um, the uh, the, so you the grab, of it. You grab my uh, my uh, partner is isn't available, so I'm. <laughs> I'm lone wolfing it tonight, so I got to figure out what I'm going to do. I here. love it. Chuck Norris yeah. would be proud. You get Cortland Sutton as your number two receiver here at the 512. Sutton as the number 26 receiver off the board. You have the number six tight end off the board. You have the number eight and number nine running backs off the board. So you could go. I mean, there's only two quarterbacks that have been selected so far. You, I mean, you could double up on tight end here. You could get your third receiver. No, you could gonna, get your third running go back. Homer. There's a lot of ways here. Yeah, I'm going to go Homer and then shore up a, a get a deeper running back squad. So I went Damian Harris. The 601 tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is the uh, expected lead dog in the New England backfield, Damian Harris, who continues to climb up FFPC best ball and Football Guys Players Championship Draft Boards, Norm Barons at Amity Hooks on Twitter, drafts him as the 27th running back off the board tonight to go with Aaron Jones and Austin Eckler. So, and, and I think, Norm, and, and last question here for you, I think the, and I don't know how many best balls you do, but I think the um, impetus is on grabbing all these high-volume running backs early in, in the drafts tonight. Um, that's normally a best ball strategy, but you lock up essentially what should be three high-volume running backs in the first six rounds. I can't imagine that was your plan, but it certainly fell this way for you tonight. Yeah. I'm, again, I'm just looking ahead to think that I, I can't react fast enough with a, a, a back-to-back pick, so I need to possibly reach a little bit more than I would want for players that I want um, and get the construction that I want because, again, th- this is not a uh, – a cakewalk leads and I don't want to have a shortage at a position so that I'm reacting with just odd darts in the dark. So odd darts in the dark is another name for this podcast, uh, quite frankly. So you get uh, three running backs here in the first six rounds. You already got two receivers. Norm, you are well on your way here, man. You get, you get a top six tight end as well. We will be uh, following closely how this draft ends up for you as you are 25% of it in, a little over 25% of it in. Thank you so much for uh, giving us a call and making a couple picks on air. We all follow you on Twitter at Amity Hooks. 
I certainly appreciate you uh, you uh, joining the show for a couple of a couple of weeks in a row here, man. Good luck the rest of the way, not only in this draft but in all your leagues as well, Norm. Thanks, Belky. I'll see you in Vegas. You got it, Norm Barons, ladies and gentlemen. You follow him on Twitter at Amity Hooks. He is drafting from the 12 spot tonight, and he just drafted Damian Harris in the uh, 12 position in the sixth round. That is the 601. Let's get back to the uh, live uh, draft coverage here to kick things off here in the third round, which I believe is where we left off. If you remember, Jimmy Wagner started off his draft with McCaffrey and Montgomery. He gets Keenan Allen at the 301, and then Wayne Ferguson takes C.D. Lamb as his second receiver at the 302 tonight. George Kittle is the third tight end off the board. This time he goes to Vincent and Cap here to go with Gibson and Mixon. So um, uh, the Fantasy Grotto squad starting off with two running backs and a tight end there. A.J. Brown pairs with DeAndre Hopkins for Biplab Mandel at the 304. A couple of tight ends right in a row. You heard the Hawkinson pick. That is one for the dumb Jared Hines taking TJ Hawkinson as tight end four at the 305 tonight. Kyle Pitts, the rookie out of the University of Florida. Kyle Pitts goes to Chris Carlson, Diggs, Harris, that's Najee, and now Kyle Pitts at the 306. DeAndre Swift is the third consecutive running back drafted by John Terry tonight. John Terry, the only squad in tonight's draft to start off with three straight running backs from the seven hole, Alvin Kamara, Nick Chubb, and now DeAndre Swift might be falling a little bit. We'll talk with our drafters uh, coming up later on about that Swift pick. Justin Jefferson, a little bit of a scare from Minnesota Vikings uh, mini camp or uh, training camp today. He gets the sprained AC joint, not a big deal according to all the reports. Justin Jefferson still makes his way in this draft at wide receiver 11 to Jim Johnson at the 308. J.K. Dobbins, sophomore running back uh, from Ohio State, goes to uh, Joseph Paprizicki as his number one running back behind his uh, Tyree Kill and Calvin Ridley selections from the nine hole tonight. Dobbins goes off the board as running back 17. Allen Robinson to Hudson Kern Reeve as his number one receiver. Chris Carson who has really settled in at the end of the third round in, in most of the football guys' drafts, the FFPC best ball uh, drafts, uh, best ball tournament drafts, beg your pardon. Uh, he goes again at the 311 tonight as the number one running back for the blind visionary Liz Ballard herself, Cooper Cup, as you heard, uh, going to uh, get your shine box. That's Norman Barron's at the 312 tonight. So through three rounds here, 36 picks, we have – Five tight ends off the board. If you include the 37th pick, you have a sixth tight end off the board. Yeah, that's right. Mark Andrews at the 401 tonight to Norm Barons. A huge, huge receiver run here. Robert Woods to Liz Ballard. Amari Cooper to Hudson Kern Reed. Mike Evans to Joseph Paprizicki. Julio Jones to Jim Johnston. Chris Godwin to John Terry. And then Jamar Chase off the board to Chris Carlson tonight at the 407. That is six consecutive receivers selected in the fourth round. We did all these pros versus Joe's drafts over the course of the last couple of weeks. Tonight, we get the Football Guys Players Championship draft, and it is a huge glut of receivers in the fourth round as opposed to the pros versus Joe's, where it's a huge glut of receivers in the third round. Now, whether that has to do with um, this being a managed league as opposed to a best ball league, which the pros versus Joes are, I don't know. 
but there are uh, several of the uh, players in this draft tonight who drafted in the pros versus Joes who also are drafting tonight in the managed league and they get a bunch of receivers in the fourth round. That is just the first half of it. We're seeing a lot of the receivers go in the fourth round, uh, latter half of the fourth round tonight too. Now you heard the Travis Etienne to Jaron Hines, but then DJ Moore to Bitblad Mandel. Deontay Johnson, the number one receiver for Fantasy Grotto. That is Chris Vincent. That is uh, Zeb Cap there at the 410 tonight, getting their first receiver. Daryl Henderson off the board at the 411. Farrell Elliott and I have been talking through the pros versus Joe's competition, saying that Henderson should not be going at the end of the fifth round, which is where he had been going in those drafts. He should be going higher. He does go higher tonight. Daryl Henderson, good to see him getting his just due at the 411 tonight for Wayne Ferguson to pair with Dalvin Cook. Wayne Ferguson, through four rounds, now has two running backs and two receivers in McLaurin and Lamb. Tyler Lockett wrapping up the fourth round tonight. Tyler Lockett, the second receiver drafted by Jimmy Wagner in the one hole tonight. All right, a rainbow fifth round here. We'll try to get to it here as best as we can. Josh Jacobs at the 501. This is interesting, too, because um, you think about Josh Jacobs, where he was at the start of the uh, season. He was going much higher. Josh Jacobs tonight falls. Running back 22. He is uh, normally going at the 502. He goes at the 501 tonight. And I don't know if you have any um, thoughts on Josh Jacobs, who should be a bell cow for Las Vegas this year, going that that late. I know if you pay attention to FFPC Twitter, there are a lot of people saying that Josh Jacobs could be a league winner. I don't know if I go that far, but certainly uh, the possibility is there for Josh Jacobs, if he is going in the fifth round, to be a league winner in the Football Guys Players Championship, the FFPC main event, no doubt. Um, I, I think there is a possibility for that there. I want to get back to the fifth round here, but before we do, let's go out to the phone lines. I'm going to hit up the 312, ladies and gentlemen, right now for uh, a team that is trying to win this league. It is Fantasy Grotto from the three-hole. It is Chris Vincent and Zeb Cap drafting. Um, who just took uh, their selection in the seventh round. We'll get to it in a little bit. But, Chris, let's go to you, at FF Juggernaut on Twitter. How is this draft falling into place for you tonight? It's tough. I know most of the guys in this league, they're all pros. Um, I wanted to make a splash early, so I took my boy, Antonio Gibson. I was on the fence with him. I was thinking about Zeke or Kamara, but – Looking at Antonio's schedule and the championship week in the playoffs, I had to pull the trigger on him. He plays Philadelphia twice and Dallas twice in those final four weeks. And, you know, I love that guy. I love his talent. I took Henry in my last redraft, so it's kind of a diversification pick. But I'm I'm thrilled to have him on the squad. I mean, I know he wasn't going to make it back to me in two. Yeah, uh, so this my, is interesting. Go, so, yeah. so, Chris, I just – Talking about this Gibson pick real quick. I don't, you know, I've, I've commissioned a bunch of these drafts. I, I have not seen Antonio Gibson this go this early, you know, as far as my recollection goes. So I'm just kind of curious here. You make him the choice uh, at the 103. Have you not had a lot of selections where you can get Gibson perhaps later in the first round? Was this a case of you making sure that you got a share of Gibson this early in drafts to, to, to sort of, sort of um, make sure that, you know, when, when the, as you mentioned, 
the championship round pops up at the end of the year that you're going to have this huge health, you know, assuming health um, uh, bell cow running back come up that is not only going to be um, rushing the ball, but catching a lot of passes for you as well. Exactly. Yeah. He, he averaged 27 points versus Dallas in his two games last year. And, you know, they wanted to use him more in the passing game last year. They didn't because of, you know, not really having a camp. So he's going to be a, a lot more involved in the passing game and, you know, playing Dallas twice in the last four weeks along with Philly twice. That's just hard to resist. And in my last draft, I took Henry at, at five. Gibson went, you know, with the seventh overall pick, so I didn't even, he didn't even make it into round two. Have you taken Gibson this early in any football guys, you know, FFPC, best ball drafts, anything? Have you taken him this early in any of your drafts so far? Nope. I don't think anyone has. <laughs> <laughs> so, given, you know, we talked about the talent field tonight. You know, Pat Brzezicki, Terry, Mandel, you know, Reeve, Ballard, uh, Wagner, Ferguson, Johnston, Hines, Barons. You have all these guys that you're going up against. Did the talent factor into you trying to be a little different tonight and grabbing Gibson at the 103? Uh, not really the talent as much as kind of a few to all my buddies that know I love Antonio Gibson and not, you know, it's kind of like you are hanging out with your buddies and you see a hot girl and you have the eye for the hot girl. You want to make sure that you get her before your buddies do. <laughs> I have a feeling yeah, that there. there's three or four guys, there's three or four guys at the back end of this draft, like Bip and Wasp that love Antonio and, and would have been considering him in the first round. You know, I'm, I'm not a tight end on the first round guy. It burns too much of a hole in my team. Tyreek, you know, Diggs, they're great players, but I, I need those RB1 stats. And, you know, to me, Antonio, he has, you know, so many parallels to David Johnson, who was a third or fourth round pick his second year, and then his third year he was the consensus number one overall pick. I mean, he's, he's a huge, huge guy. He's fast, 4-3-1, four, four, I believe. You know, to me, I always compare him to a Ferrari. He's fast and he's powerful. And, you know, with their defense and, you know, J.D. McKissick. J.D. McKissick is, a, you know, he's a, a good receiving back, but he's not going to eat into his workload at all. Joe Mixon, speaking of workloads, should be getting a healthy one in Cincinnati. Yet, I, I feel like over the last two or three years, there's been a lot of people saying, I will never draft Joe Mixon again. He burned me too many times. I'm staying away from him. His ADP right now is the 210, which is exactly where you got him tonight. And I've seen him go much earlier. What, what do you think, what do you foresee Joe Mixon this year? Again, on an offense that should be much more prolific with the addition of Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow a year older. Obviously, they still have Tyler Boyd, T, uh, T. Higgins coming into his second year. What does this mean for Joe Mixon for his 2021 prospects? Well, he's always been a good, you know, point per point per game guy. You know, it's just a matter of staying healthy. And, yeah, they are beefing up that offense. And as long as Burrow's okay, you know, I think they're going to be explosive and their defense is bad. So it's not like they're going to be, you know, grinding the clock that much. So he's going to catch a lot of balls. And he, he's one of the most talented backs in the league. You know, he just needs to stay healthy. You are coming up on your eighth-round pick here. You already have three running backs, you and Zeb, Gibson, Mixon, and then Michael Carter, who you took in the seventh round. Two receivers, I just mentioned T. Higgins. You already have Deontay Johnson to go with that. 
I believe, as I look at the draft tonight, you are the first team, you and Zeb, uh, to draft two tight ends. Kittle in the third, Dallas Goddard in the sixth. So a lot of ways you can go here, Chris. Two tight ends, two receivers, three running backs. What do you think you and Zeb are going to do here in the eighth round as you try to uh, to not only um, get first place in this league, but also um, uh, get to the championship round and win this half million bucks? I don't love the receivers here, even though I need some more. But there's a lot of receivers I like late. Um, and whenever I'm, you know, kind of shaky receiver, I like going tight end. And I've got two good ones, and I'm thinking about taking a third one. But that might be a little bit too early for him. There is another running back I like here, though. What do you think, Balky? Well, you have you, you, have, you have three top thirty you have three top thirty running backs um, right now. Um, a lot of receivers went off uh, since you took Michael Carter in the seventh. You have the opportunity to draft a top essentially forty five or, or as it were forty two receiver here. I would obviously stay away from tight end. You know my policy on quarterbacks. I would not draft one here. I think receivers the play unless there's a running back that you believe that will not be there. For you at the 903, Chris. 15 seconds left. Thank you, sir. And the time is running out. I, I agree. I'm with sure. You. you know the thing. The thing is, like, and people don't Lenny, know this. And, and while Chris and <laughs> there you go. I was just gonna say, like, you know, the thing that people don't realize is Zeb is probably telling dirty jokes to you while you are, you know, have 15 <laughs> seconds left on the clock. And uh, and not worrying about um, what your team is going to look like. But, Chris, you made the command decision. You get Lombardi Lenny on your squad right now from uh, Tampa Bay, the 34th running back off the board. And I'm curious, and, and I'll just leave it at this. You had the opportunity to grab any Tampa running back you wanted. You took Fournette over Bernard, no surprise. But you took him over Rojo. And I know there's a lot of Rojo supporters out there. Tell us why you like Fournette over Ronald Jones here in the eighth round. The most simple reason is they just won a Super Bowl with him leading the way. You know, why would you go away with the, from that? You know, I know Rojo is a good, pure runner, but he can't pass block. And you have, you know, the GOAT out there at center. You're going to want a running back that can pass block. So he's going to get, you know, the snaps. He's going to be on the field. He's a better receiver than Rojo, too. So him as my, you case know, that you got. Him as my RB4, I'm I'm in good shape. You can make the case that you have four, you know, a lot of people would make the case that you have four bell cow running backs now through eight rounds, not to mention Deontay Johnson and T. Higgins, which should be high uh, uh, passing offenses this year in the AFC North with the lack of an offensive line in Pittsburgh and obviously with all the the weapons that Cincinnati has added to uh, Joe Burrow's disposal. Higgins being a big one there. You are now on the clock here in the 903, Chris. Um, four running backs, only two receivers, two uh, tight ends. I got to imagine you're looking at a receiver here at the 903, man. I am. I could take one guy that I was just talking shit about the other night. Or I could take <laughs> a guy that's burnt me the past three years who I've always liked. But he just needs to stay healthy as well. I also like Curtis. Will Fuller never stays healthy. Uh, I like big boys. 
Big Mike. Going going with welcome the, the size here. Go, welcome yes, to the squad, to the Fantasy Grotto squad, at the 903 tonight for Chris Vincent and Zeb Cap. It is indeed new X receiver in the Los Angeles Chargers offense, Mike Williams from Clemson. Mike Williams, who should take a step forward here as the number three receiver for Fantasy Grotto tonight for uh, Vincent and Cap. Chris, this is not your only venture with Zeb uh, currently in the high-stakes fantasy football industry. You guys are doing a podcast, uh, and I want to give you the opportunity to tell people where they can check it out here uh, right now as uh, we are watching you draft live with Zeb tonight. Yeah, right now it's on YouTube. We just actually kicked it off last night and had a great time. You know, I had it all outlined and planned out to run, you know, between 42 and 43 minutes, and we went 83 minutes, <laughs> which happens when you get a couple guys drinking. I've been there. You know, tell, yeah, I've, tell I've had war several of those podcasts. Zeb, you know, Zeb has to have his own segment. You know, he's, he's the secret sauce of the show. <laughs> so we have Zeb's Corner where Zeb is going to freestyle, you know, any subject he wants, and typically he's not going to tell us what he's going to talk about ahead of time and surprise us because, you know, we get more of an authentic, you know, fun reaction that way. And he told me he needed maybe five to ten minutes, you know, to do his Zeb's Corner, and he went on, you know, a 22-minute meandering, you know, very, very funny story, but it, it was very, you know, Dickens-like. It was, you know, the best of times or the worst of times. You know, he really he really went in there. But, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Chris we're, we're, Vince we're essentially trying to do is um, we're trying to assimilate, you know, we have had a, a long running football chat between a bunch of the guys that are in this draft actually. And we have a great time with each other. So we're just trying to, you know, put it out there for the public and try to, you know, be wildly entertaining and make people better fantasy players at the same time. And I can tell you as a, uh, as a host of the show um, where Chris Vincent and Zeb Cap have appeared separately uh, these are guys that you want to follow. These are guys who you want to know what they're doing in their drafts this year so you can become a better high-stakes fantasy football player. If you want more information on that, don't forget to follow Chris on Twitter, at FFJuggernaut. Uh, Chris, we certainly appreciate you chiming in tonight, giving us a few of your picks. It's a strong start to this league. I don't know if it's a half-million-dollar winner, but that's pretty rare. Uh, it could be. Uh, I'm not going to say it's not because I like the start. I certainly appreciate you hanging out with me, talking a little shop uh, with, uh, with you and Zeb trying to draft uh, a half-million-dollar winner tonight, man. We will uh, follow you on Twitter. We'll listen to the podcast. Thanks so much for uh, hopping aboard tonight, dude. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Walkie. Chris Vincent, ladies and gentlemen, at FF Juggernaut on Twitter. Check out the podcast uh, that he has displayed there on YouTube with uh, Zeb Cap, another former guest of the show this evening. Uh, good stuff from Chris Vincent. So you heard what he did there. Let's get into, and I know I'm backtracking a little bit here, but but let's get back into the um, the third round, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Jimmy Wagner takes Keenan Allen, C.D. Lamb off the board to Wayne Ferguson there. Uh, George Kittle, the number one tight end drafted by Fantasy Grotto. That's Vincent and Cap. A.J. Brown right after that, followed by Hawkinson and Pitts, the fourth and fifth tight ends off the board to Hines and Carlson, respectively. You already heard um, uh, John Terry taking DeAndre Swift. Justin Jefferson, the sprained AC joint and all, goes to Jim Johnson tonight as his number one receiver at the 308, followed by J.K. Dobbins to Joseph Paprizicki, 
Allen Robinson to Hudson Kern Reeve, and then you have Carson and Cooper. Chris Carson to Liz Ballard at the 311. Cooper Cup to the 312 to Norm Barons. Only one tight end chosen in the fourth round tonight, and it was Mark Andrews to Barons. Um, we went, actually, <laughs> I apologize to everybody listening live. I went through the fourth round already. Let's get into the fifth round. I mentioned Josh Jacobs, uh, Adam Thielen after that to Wayne Ferguson at the 502. T. Higgins to Vincent and Cap. Miles Sanders, who continues to fall. I, listen, I have never been a big Miles Sanders guy, but I'll tell you this. Miles Sanders at the 504. And as I look at Fantasy Mojo, who um, Darren Armani uh, runs this website, and he does a fantastic job of um, citing all the, um, the FFPC and Football Guys Players Championship data, ADP data, uh, and everything. If you are drafting in the FFPC, you want to get a subscription to FantasyMojo.com. It is uber cheap, and uh, it is going to pay dividends. So as far as what Darren Armani has said about the Football Guys Players Championship, Miles Sanders, 409 on average over the last three days, as running back 19. Tonight, running back 22 at the 5.04. He continues to fall. Biplab Mandel gets Kelsey, Hopkins, A.J. Brown, and D.J. Moore in the first four rounds and ends up with Miles Sanders as his number one running back. That is one heck of a consolation prize. Congratulations to you, BipLab. Moving on, Javante Williams, the number three running back chosen by uh, Jared Heinstein. Brandon Ayuk, Chris Carlson grabs him as his number three receiver. Finally, the first quarterback is chosen tonight. It is indeed Patrick Mahomes to John Terry at the 5.07 tonight. John Terry has three running backs, a receiver, and now a quarterback as he gets Patrick Mahomes at the 5.07. I got to tell you, that is about as late as you are ever going to see Mahomes go. Now, with all these uh, FFPC mavens, all these FFPC high-stakes experts in, in tonight's draft, you probably were going to see Mahomes go late. Consider this. QB1 for Mahomes, on average, at the 402. The latest he has gone in the Football Guys Players Championship over the last three days was the 410. John Terry gets him tonight at the 507, nearly a full round of value. This is how these guys roll in the Football Guys Players Championship. Um, so congratulations to Terry as the getting the number one quarterback at the 507 tonight. Moving on. Miles Gaskin to Jim Johnston. Mike Davis, the number two running back, drafted by Joseph Paprzycki to pair with J.K. Dobbins. Josh Allen, the newly minted $160 million, roughly, dollar man uh, for Buffalo, their quarterback, he is the second signal caller drafted tonight to the Truth Warriors. That is Hudson Kern Reeve at the 5'10 tonight. Allen is his number one quarterback. Kareem Hunt off the board, followed by Cortland Sutton to Norm Barons. All right, let's move on, uh, ladies and gentlemen, as I am falling behind here, and I apologize. Sixth round, uh, Damien Harris. You heard the pick here with Norm Barons t- uh, taking him as his number three running back. Odell Beckham off the board as the number three receiver to Liz Ballard. Noah Fant, tight end seven tonight, tight end one for Hudson Kern-Reeve. Lamar Jackson, the quarterbacks are starting to fall now. Three of them chosen in this round. Lamar Jackson, the first quarterback off the board 
to Joseph Paprzycki as his starting signal caller. Uh, Jim Johnston goes running back again. That is his fourth running back chosen here in the sixth round. Chase Edmonds, RB28 at the 6.05 tonight. Jerry Judy to uh, John Terry. Chase Claypool uh, to Chris Carlson after that. Kyler Murray to Jared Hines, followed by the rookie out of Ohio State, Trey Sermon to Biplab Mandel. So Biplab, just as a refresher here, does not take a running back in the first four rounds. He goes back-to-back running backs in the fifth and sixth. Number five is Miles Sanders. Number six is Trey Sermon. This is how you can build a juggernaut here, which is what Biplab is doing. Uh, Hopkins, A.J. Brown, and D.J. Moore receiver. Kelsey at the tight end. And Sanders, and now Sermon at running back, starting to like this team quite a bit. Dallas Goddard off the board to Fantasy Grotto. That's Vincent and Cap. Followed by Dak Prescott as the quarterback five, the number one quarterback drafted by Wayne Ferguson. Robbie Anderson off the board with the final pick of the sixth round. Let's fly into the seventh round here tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, we have three tight ends off the board in this round. Logan Thomas to Jimmy Wagner, followed by Debo Samuel, the number four receiver drafted by Wayne Ferguson. You heard the Carter pick, or at least us talk about the Michael Carter pick for Chris Vincent and Zeb Cap here in the seventh round. Bunch of receivers off the board after that. Juju Smith-Schuster to Biplab Mandel. Michael Gallup to um, uh, Jared Hines after that. Uh, love to talk a little bit of Michael Gallup here because I think his value is evolving as we go forward in these high-stakes drafts. Tyler Boyd to Chris Carlson. DJ Chark, the number three receiver drafted by John Terry, potentially the number one receiver for Jacksonville? I don't know. Uh, the number one tight end, I don't think there's any um, doubt that it will be Tyler Higby in Los Angeles, also the number one tight end for Jim Johnston here at the uh, 708 spot. Antonio Brown off the board to Joseph Paprzycki as his number four receiver. I love that pick, by the way. We'll get into that in a little bit, hopefully. James Robinson off the board. James Robinson. Falling. I mean, my God, ladies and gentlemen, I love James Robinson and probably um, I'm biased because I drafted him um, late in a lot of leagues last year. I picked him up off the waiver wire in a lot of leagues last year. But I'll tell you this, running back 30 on average right now, the Football Guys Players Championship, 704 is where his current ADP is at tonight. He goes at the 7-10. He's going to keep falling. And if you're one of those people that subscribe to the zero RB theory, there is a lot to love about James Robinson in the seventh round. Now, you look at who drafted him tonight at the 7-10, and it was Hudson Reeve. Hudson Reeve already took Barkley and Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the first two rounds. He comes back and drafts. James Robinson as his number three running back in the seventh round. One of the things that you want to do in these high stakes leagues, as has been my experience, if you want to draft heavy running back early, that's fine. If you want to draft heavy receiver early, that's fine. But do not ignore the position, whatever you went hard on early in the draft. Do not ignore the position in the mid rounds. Hudson Reeve knows this and that is why he drafted James Robinson at the 7-10 tonight, even after having the lead running back in New York and the lead running back in Kansas City on his team after the first 15 rounds of this draft. 
uh, 15 picks of this draft. Bigger part, he gets James Robinson there. All right, moving on, the 7-Eleven is indeed Robert Tunyon, the uh, tight end out of uh, Green Bay. That is Liz Ballard's second tight end to pair with Darren Waller tonight. She gets Waller in the first. She gets Robert Tunyon in the seventh. The second team to double up on the tight end position tonight is Liz Ballard. Devontae Smith, uh, I know he's a little dinged up right now. He ends up going at the 7-12 tonight to Norm Barons as his number three receiver. Uh, a couple of quarterbacks, uh, more than a couple actually, as we move on here until the eighth round. Justin Herbert, the starting quarterback for Barons. Aaron Rodgers, the starting quarterback for Ballard. Zach Moss off the board after that as running back 32 to Hudson Kern Reef. That is his number four, four running back tonight to pair with Barkley, CEH, and Robinson. Um, Michael Thomas, the number five receiver drafted by Taperzicki. Thomas is an interesting guy because if he is indeed going to miss all this time this year, and he is not going to come back until mid-October, late October, perhaps early November, then he is an interesting cat to wait on. And um, certainly there will be at least one team in every league this year that refuses to wait on Michael Thomas and will draft him earlier than a lot of people think he should go. Tonight he gets drafted at the 804 by Joseph Paprzycki as his number five receiver. So think about this. Paprzycki... He has Dobbins and Mike Davis as his running backs through eight rounds. But he has Hill, Ridley, Evans, Antonio Brown, and now Michael Thomas. Pretty dominant receivers when they're all healthy. And Thomas is his number five. He doesn't have to worry about starting him uh, until the bye weeks hit uh, later this offseason. Antonio Brown and Evans, obviously with the same bye in week nine. But Hill having a week 12 bye, there's certainly an opportunity for Michael Thomas to slip in there as the um, as the uh, starting receiver, or one of the starting receivers, the Paprizicki there, um, when uh, some of these other players are off because of the bye. Kenny Galladay, a guy who's dinged up right now for New York, he goes off the board as the number three receiver for Jim Johnston. Then you're looking at LaVisca Chenault after that to um, uh, John Terry as his number four receiver. He gets uh, the Jacksonville hookup there. Chark in the seventh. He gets LaVisca Chenault in the eighth. Time will tell if he is able to secure Trevor Lawrence, uh, the rookie quarterback, on the Jacksonville team to pair with Chark and Chenault. And, and I should say this, too, as we move forward through the, um, the eighth round. I have seen more stacking than I have ever seen before in the FFPC. Um, and more so, I guess, in best ball leagues. Obviously, we did all the pros versus Joes leagues. Um, we have seen stacking done a ton there. But I would say even in these managed leagues, like the Football Guys Players Championship, the FFPC main event, we're seeing a lot more stacking being done here. And certainly Terry grabbing Chark and Chenault. He has a plan in mind. We'll see how much that is carried through as we press on through the eighth round here tonight. Russell Wilson off the board as QB8 to Chris Carlson. Michael Pittman, who's his quarterback going to be? We don't know right now, but Jared Hines still selects him as his number three receiver here tonight behind DK Metcalf and Michael Gallup. Uh, Raheem Mostert and Leonard Fournette back-to-back picks here at the uh, in the eighth round. Mostert to Bipleb Mandel. 
And then Leonard Fournette, the number four running back drafted by Chris Vincent and Zeb Cap. You heard that pick live on the HSFF Hour. A guy who's picking up a lot of steam for the Chicago Bears right now, especially after their trade of Anthony Miller to the Houston Texans, has been Darnell Mooney to Wayne Ferguson there. James Conner rounds things off in the eighth round. So Conner, the 8-12 tonight, the quote-unquote starter in Arizona, uh, Chase Edmonds tonight goes at the 6.05 to Jim Johnson. Roughly two and a half rounds of difference between the two Arizona running backs tonight. And I, and I think this is something that's lost, and I'll get into it real quick here. I've heard a lot of people talk about the um, Buffalo Bills running attack. You, know, you have Zach Moss, you have Devin Singletary, and there is no good option there. Uh, there is no dominant option there there is no league winning option there right now between moss and devin singletary and to to prove that point i'll just tell you this right now zach moss on average over the last three days in the football guys players championship wide receiver i beg your pardon running back 36 at the 903 devin singletary going even later running back 47 at the 1112 but this is something i have learned listening to a lot of podcasts, talking with a lot of high-stakes owners out there. What happens when one of those guys goes down? What happens when Singletary is the only guy in the Buffalo backfield? What happens when Zach Moss is the guy that the Bills have to rely on handing the ball off to or throwing the ball to out of the backfield? Now, all of a sudden, they become a big option. And you have to have the opportunity to have a player um, who can become a top 10, top 15, whatever, running back at some point during the season to create separation for you in such a talented field, not only in the regular season like this league tonight, but overall in the main event uh, or, or uh, the, um, you know, what will be the championship round in the Football Guys Players Championship. The Bills running backs allow you to do that. I don't know. If that was the line of thinking tonight, as we look at who drafted these Bills running backs in the Football Guys Players Championship tonight, if that was what Hudson Reeve was thinking when he made Zach Moss the 803 pick tonight, I don't know. Um, it's certainly a possibility as we move forward here tonight, ladies and gentlemen, through the um, the, uh, the live on HSFF Hour draft uh Football Guys Players Championship. Once again, as a reminder, if you are not familiar, um, the um, teams in this league tonight are competing for a $500,000 grand prize. And uh, um, the uh, uh, prize pool in this contest is a shade under $4 million. So certainly... And, and I can t- attest you to, to this. There has been, um, I want to say eight, maybe nine. I haven't had the hard count here. Eight or nine of these players drafting in this league tonight have all been guests on this uh, High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour before. So you know they're super talented. You know that um, you know what they're doing tonight is going to be followed by a lot of people going forward in the, uh, in the FPC, FPC and, quite frankly, the main event as well. Devin Singletary, I was just alluding to the Bills running backs. Devin Singletary goes off the board to John Terry tonight 
at the 12.06. Let's get back into it. I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, we left off the board at the 8.12. Let's get into the ninth round tonight, and we'll lead that off with a rookie from Cap. It is Elijah Moore at the 9.01 tonight to Jimmy Wagner. A.J. Dillon right off the board after that as the number three running back. Drafted by Wayne Ferguson. You heard the Mike Williams pick to Vincent and Cap after that. A couple of running backs. Melvin Gordon to Bipla Mandel. Ronald Jones off the board to Jared Hines as his number four running back. Erg Smith, another team deciding to double up on tight ends. Kyle Pitts was Chris Carlson's selection in the third. Now he gets Irv Smith as his selection in the ninth round. Brandon Cooks, the number five receiver drafted by John Terry. Keep in mind that John Terry started off this draft with three straight running backs. He has now drafted receivers five out of the last six picks for him. From the fourth to the ninth round, the only non-receiver was Patrick Mahomes in the fifth round. So he is building something there. I'll tell you about his team coming up in a little bit. Adam Troutman, again, another team loading up on tight ends. Jim Johnson took Tyler Higby at the position in the seventh round. He gets Adam Troutman in the ninth round here to back him up. Jamal Williams off the board to Gasoline and Propane. That's Joseph Paprizicki's team, followed by Will Fuller from the Miami Dolphins to Kern Reeve. Tony Pollard to Blind Visionary. Liz Ballard's squad here from the 11th spot. And rounding out things in the ninth round tonight is indeed the newest Washington football team receiver, Curtis Samuel. Number four receiver off the board to Norm Barons. Um, we, uh, we have a lot. Well, I shouldn't say a lot. We have a significant amount of tight ends here going off in the 10th round tonight. We'll bring you that right now. Gus Edwards, fresh off the COVID-19 list for the Baltimore Ravens. He becomes the number four running back drafted by Norm Barons. Latavius Murray off the board as the number four running back drafted by Liz Ballard. Keep in mind, Liz does not have Alvin Kamara in this league, but she went with Latavius Murray anyway. And this is something that I have been talking with people with over the past, I don't know, several months. And I don't want to say this is a new phenomenon, but there's a lot of people when you get to these national contests, you're trying to win a six-figure grand prize. You start focusing less on your own handcuffs. and You start focusing more on other teams' handcuffs in this draft because you're trying to create variance, right? You're trying to make your team as explosive as possible. For Liz Ballard, okay, let's just use this as an example. She sunk a 311 pick into Chris Carson. Now, she could have doubled down on that and drafted another Seattle running back, right? She chose not to. She gets Pollard in the ninth round. She doesn't own Elliott. Elliott went at the 105 tonight, but she gets Elliott's backup. She gets Latavius Murray tonight in the 10th round. She doesn't own Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara went at the 107, but she gets Alvin Kamara's backup. Now, if either one of those hit, if Elliott or Kamara were to go down, now all of a sudden, instead of a starting backfield of Carson and Hunt, she's looking at Carson, Hunt, and one of those other guys. And this is all assuming that Carson stays healthy and Nick Chubb stays healthy. If Carson, uh, I beg your pardon, if Penny were to go down or if Nick Chubb were to go down, 
Um, now all of a sudden you're looking at a dominant backfield. And let's face it, running backs go down quite a bit in in, in the NFL. And so that could be a, a, a very real possibility for her to not only have Carson and Hunt, but Carson Hunt and Pollard without Elliott, Carson Hunt and Murray without Kamara. Uh, there's a lot of possibility. And, and that's, I mean, what if Chubb goes down? All of a sudden Hunt looks a lot better. What if Penny goes down? All of a sudden Carson looks a lot better. This is all about predicting the next move, which I think all the great high-stakes players do over the years. Let's get back into it, ladies and gentlemen, here in the 10th round. I just mentioned the Latavius Murray selection to Liz Ballard, Mike Gesicki and Evan Ingram, back-to-back tight ends after that, to Reeve and then to Pat Brzezicki. Tom Brady will be starting at quarterback for Jim Johnston, followed by Jonu Smith, the starting tight end for John Terry. Kenyon Drake, the pass-catching running back slash um, quasi-receiver, I guess, for the Las Vegas Raiders to Chris Carlson, Rashad Bateman, the rookie from Minnesota who is now in Baltimore, joins uh, Jared Hines' squad as the number four receiver for him this year. David Johnson is the fifth uh, running back drafted by Biplab Mandel. And then you have Jalen Waddle, Jarvis Landry, and Russell Gage rounding out the 10th round tonight. Waddle to Vincent and Cap, Landry to Ferguson, and Gage to Jimmy Wagner as his number five receiver. Jimmy Wagner now with four running backs, five receivers, and one tight end named Logan Thomas um, as far as his build from the number one position goes. If we go on here into the 11th round, it is indeed James White off the board after that James White as the number four, uh, beg your pardon, number five running back for Jimmy Wagner here at the 1101, Blake Jarwin. This is a guy, I'm not sure why he's going so late in FFPC drafts. And, and we'll talk about Blake Jarwin here real quick. But Blake Jarwin, if you look at, and again, we'll go to the mojo as Farrell always likes to say, we'll go to the mojo as far as where Blake Jarwin is going. Tight end 22 on average, at the 12-12 in drafts. Now, you look at tonight's draft, Blake Jarwin goes at the 11-02. To me, ladies and gentlemen, that still seems late. I know Gallup. I know Cooper. I know Lamb, Elliott, all those guys, all those pass catchers in Dallas. But I think about what Blake Jarwin should have been before he tore his ACL, and it was awesome. Blake Jarwin at the 11-02 tonight as Wayne Ferguson's starting tight end when he already has six receivers on his squad, three running backs on his squad, including the hookup to Blake Jarwin, Dak Prescott, I think that is a smart, smart pick at the 11.02 tonight. I'm starting to like these Cowboys tight ends. Now, Jarwin in the 11.02, I think it's fantastic. There's another Cowboys tight end we will get to before the end of the uh, broadcast is over tonight. I think we'll get to him in this draft as well. I think he is a smart investment late, too. We'll get to him shortly. Ryan Tannehill at the 11.03 to the Fantasy Grotto squad of Chris Vincent and Zeb Cap. Matthew Stafford, who continuously is undervalued here, 11.04 tonight. Pip Lab Mandel, I don't know how he does it, ladies and gentlemen, but he gets Matthew Stafford as a starting quarterback, and this is on a squad that already has five running backs, four receivers, and, oh, by the way, Travis Kelsey. I think this is a strong squad. We'll, we'll critique the, uh, the uh, roster construction a little bit later in the program. 
Uh, but I think Bip Mandel did a really good job getting Matthew Stafford here in the 11th round. Cole Komet, the second tight end drafted by Jared Hines here at the 11.05. Alexander Madison, again, another handcuffed running back, not going to the team who drafted the starter. Madison to Chris Carlson at the 11.06. Um, John Terry goes back-to-back tight ends tonight, uh, and they both happen to be playing for the same team. He gets Johnny Smith in the 10th. He gets Hunter Henry in the 11th, doubling up on the New England tight end situation in the 10-11 here, which is kind of interesting when you think about it because, you know, you will have to pick which tight end you want to start. But you'd like to think that there will be some separation from these two teams or two players, beg your pardon, or um, there will be um, one of these guys healthy and one of these guys not healthy as we move forward here uh, in the 2021 NFL season. So Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry tonight, uh, back-to-back picks for John Terry. Uh, He might – listen, you never want to root for an injury, but if one of these guys happens to be hurt, the other guy is going to blossom big time. Corey Davis, speaking of blossoming, guy who did that last year in 2020 for the Tennessee Titans, he moves on to the New York Jets. And he is the number four receiver drafted by Jim Johnson tonight. He gets Corey Davis there. Xavier Jones, the backup running back to Daryl Henderson in Los Angeles, is the number four running back selected by Jim Johnson. And then a trio of uh, receivers end the 11th round tonight. It is indeed Marvin Jones to Hudson Kern-Reeve. Miko Hardman as the number four receiver drafted by uh, Liz Ballard. And then Henry Ruggs off the board the number four receiver drafted by Norm Barons. One thing I'll point out here is the upside. Um, Baker boy, Joe Delzanero, longtime Wyckoff, longtime FFPC player. Um, This is a guy that um, you could learn a lot from. If you ever meet him in Las Vegas or you ever meet him in a draft room, um, he has a talent for stating the obvious um, that I think a lot of us sometimes overlook from time to time. We talk about drafting a top 25 or a top 30 running back in the seventh round and saying what a great pick that was. Well, Joe is the type of guy that will tell you, well, why do you want him? He plays on a team that doesn't score touchdowns. Why would you want a guy as the lead running back on a team that doesn't get in the end zone, which I think is smart. And I think we overlook that sometimes. Now, he has always been um, the champion of once you get to the 11th round, there is no such thing as a bad draft pick. In other words, you cannot pick. You cannot. It is impossible to pick a bust after the 10th round of the draft. Cannot do it. doesn't matter if you're taking a quarterback running back, receiver, tight end, whatever. You cannot pick a bust after 10 rounds of the draft have gone on. Now, there will be plenty of people that disagree with me on that, and quite frankly, uh, with Joe as well. And quite frankly, I can see how there could be a bust. You already have two defenses on your team prior to round 10 and take another one around 11. Yeah, that's a bust. But within reason, I think there is a, a lot to like about this. So if you have a quarterback, prior to round 11. If you have a tight end prior to round 11, and you've been pounding the running backs and receivers, again, prior to round 11, 
I think there is a lot to love about swinging for the fences after that. Don't swing for singles. Don't swing for doubles. You're trying to win a half million dollars. You don't win a half million dollars by picking players that should get 70 targets and catch 45 balls on the season. You do not win a half million dollars, um, you know, given a, a, a guy who is going to be a third down guy and, and getting, you know, 70 targets on the season, right? You win a half million bucks by grabbing a running back who all he needs is the opportunity. You win a half million bucks by grabbing a receiver where all he needs is, is the starter to go down or have something like that happen because there already has the trust established with the quarterback. I don't know if you can make the same case for tight end, but I, I think some people would. So there's something to be said for that there. Swing for the fences after round 10. You know, if you ever listen to these high-stakes podcasts, I, I think if there's one thing to take away from that, it's that. You know, you, you can understand and, and know everything and all the ins and outs of, of what Chris Vincent would do and Hudson Reeve would do and Wayne Ferguson and Jimmy Wagner and Bip Led Mendel and, and Chris Carlson and all these guys. You can know what the ins and outs of what they want to do. But when it comes down to it, after round 10, quite frankly, it's a free-for-all. And once you get to the free-for-all, you load up on as many chances as you can and see where the chips fall. Sometimes that works out. Sometimes it doesn't. But I think um, lottery tickets are a wise investment after round 10, no question. Let's get on to the uh, pick-by-pick coverage here, ladies and gentlemen, after round uh, 11 here tonight. And we'll, we'll lead things off in round 12 at the 12.01. It's A.J. Green. Norm Barron, Deami Brown uh, talked about opposite ends in the spectrum. AJ Green, who's been in the league forever, did Norm, Norm Barron, Deami Brown, the rookie out of North Carolina, going to Liz Ballard here as her number five receiver. Gerald Everett backing up Mike Isicki for Hudson Reeve. Jalen Hurts backing up Lamar Jackson for Joseph Paprizicki. Anthony Ferkser, the number three tight end, I believe the, the first number three tight end drafted tonight. Jim Johnston grabs Anthony Ferkser here to back up both Tyler Higby and Adam Troutman. Higby, by the way, drafted tonight in the seventh round, Troutman in the ninth, and now Ferkser in the 12th round. Devin Singletary, we talked about him earlier. You think about this, um, you have John Terry going Tamara and Swift ignores the position until round 12 where he gets Devin Singletary. And I think one of the things that, you know, when, when Dave the Dizzle Gerzak was co-hosting the show, we talked about the pros versus Joe's drafts, the football guys, players, championship drafts. One of the things you always sort of look at is um, not ignoring a position that you went heavy on early. But I think that's more, that has been relegated to receiver. I think you can ignore it when it comes to drafts like this at the running back position. Camara should not only get a ton of touches, uh, handoffs, beg your pardon, but he should get a ton of touches in the uh, receiving game, whether it's um, Taysom Hill, whether it's Jameis Winston. I think Kamara is a very smart draft pick in the middle of the first round. Nick Chubb obviously just signed the huge extension. DeAndre Swift is, is kind of a wild card. And, 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 you know, as much as I want to see, make it seem like I know what I'm talking about on this show, 
I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to DeAndre Swift. I don't know what to make of him. I don't know what to make of the Lions' backfield. I don't know what to make of the Lions in general. You have Dan Campbell, who in his open, you know, press conference with um, the local Detroit media is talking about biting people's kneecaps off. Then we saw the report this week that this guy starts off every morning with two venti Pike Place roasts from Starbucks, two shots of um, espresso in each one. I mean, that's the equivalent of 10 Red Bulls a day. I don't know what to expect from the Lions this year. And I'll tell you this, anybody who is putting out data and putting out thoughts and um, projections of the Detroit Lions offense this year with any kind of certainty, I'm going to take it with a grain of salt. They could be right, but I'm, I, I don't know what to believe about what Swift and Jamal Williams and Quintez Cephas and Amon Ross St. Brown and all these other guys, Tyrell Williams, Rashad Perriman, I don't know what they're going to do. T.J. Hawkinson, I don't know what they're going to do for Detroit. Jared Goff, I have no idea because I don't know what the coach is capable of and I don't know what to expect there. They're going to go up against Minnesota, Chicago, and Green Bay. There's a lot of wild cards there. And I think if you're going to shoot for the moon, there is certainly the possibility to do that with a lot of Detroit skill position players, but I certainly would not be drafting any of them early and expecting big things because I just don't know what is going to happen there in Detroit. How do we get on the subject? I don't know. But I know I left off with Devin Singletary here with uh, John Terry here in the 12th round. Terrace Marshall, the rookie at LSU, now in Carolina. He is the sixth uh, receiver drafted by Chris Carlson. Rondell Moore after that, who's a little bit dinged up in Arizona. That didn't matter for um, uh, Jared Hines, who drafts him at the number five uh, position for his receiver. Trevor Lawrence backing up uh, Biplab, Mandel's Matthew Stafford, Naheem Hines off the board after that to uh, Vincent and Cap. Then you're looking at Rob Gronkowski as the backup tight end to Wayne Ferguson. Devontae Parker finishing things off with the final pick of the 12th round to Jimmy Wagner and the Draft Dogs of the 12-12. Speaking of the, the Miami Dolphins, I don't know what to believe about them this year. You know, I, I have not seen anybody going gaga over Jalen Waddell. I have not seen anybody going crazy over Devontae Parker. I have not seen anybody going crazy over Will Fuller this year. And you think about the draft capital that Miami invested into Tua Tungabailoa and what they think that he is going to do for that offense and that team. Somebody you would think is going to prosper there. Could be Mike Kosicki, quite frankly, who, by the way, went in the uh, 10th round tonight to Hudson Reeve as his backup tight end. Miles Gaskin, another guy that could benefit from um, positive quarterback play. So, you know, to the end of, of what we're talking about with not knowing what to expect from Detroit, I don't know what you can expect from Miami, you know, especially in that division. New England always has a strong defense. You know, Buffalo's got a really good team. I don't know how good their defense is. And, and, and the Jets, you know, they, they took some steps forward this offseason. I don't think they're going to be any good. Um, and, and when you consider what that does to the Dolphins pass catchers, um, I don't know if anybody has a real strong handle on that. Not that I'm trying to say I know what you should be doing, at, at, you know, for the Miami pass catchers, but if you do think you know 
or if you get it right, yeah, that's going to be massive because the middle round picks in these formats are usually what make the contenders for the half million dollar grand prize and somebody in the toilet bowl. The early round picks, I don't want to say are, are pretty usual or pretty normal, but the early round picks in these drafts usually um, do not separate the wheat from the chaff. The wheat from the chaff gets separated in the mid-round, so we know who is awesome and who is not. One person I know who is always awesome that is on these airways each and every Friday night is the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. You follow him on Twitter at Elliott. You check out the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSE.com. And he has one Farrell Elliott. Farrell, welcome into the program tonight. So glad to have you tonight, dude. Balky, you join a party so late sometime, there's certain people that are already there that wish you hadn't shown up at all. So I hope no one has that opinion <laughs> about me tonight. But my, my apologies for my lateness. I wish I could say there's greatness to my lateness, but there was not. A variety of mistakes, malfeasance, uh, misapplications of time, and uh, general douchebaggery has led me to you at this late hour, and I apologize. I might have to name uh, one of my fantasy football team names General Douchebaggery. I like that. Yes, that's, I that's something right out of a. <laughs> it's something right out of a Kevin Smith war movie, right? Somebody who's in yes, charge sir. of an entire army being, you know, yes. General Douglas Douchebaggery. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Listen, um, let's talk about, um, and, and we'll get into the pick-by-pick coverage, but I think the big shocker in the night, and we heard from Chris Vincent earlier why him and Zeb Cap made this pick at the 103. They love Antonio Gibson. We have seen Antonio Gibson climb up the draft boards tonight. Farrell, i got to be honest with you, knowing what I know and seeing what I've seen, I didn't really see him going off the board at the 103 tonight, but that's exactly what we saw. Antonio Gibson at the 103. How good can he be this year in the 2021 NFL for the Washington football team? Go get your guys. When you love your guys, that's exactly what you need to do. And, hey, he could do very, very well. He's going up in conference against a uh, a New York Giant team, a Dallas Cowboy team, and a Philadelphia Eagles team, who I'm not sure can stop anyone's running game. And then he has the the, uh, wonderful situation to play the AFC West this year, which shares that with the three members of the NFC East. So I think the schedule lines up for him. I think the talent around him is better. The quarterback has him loose, which is the greatest thing that you could ever say about having a healthy upper 30-age quarterback in old 50. I think it's going to be great, so why not? That's the only way you're going to get him on this team, and if you're at the third spot and you want him, why not? Yeah, Vincent and Cap uh, getting him there, and and certainly I always applaud. You know, we always – it goes without saying. When we look back at these drafts, even in the middle of September, uh, late September, what have you, the, the, where, where you selected, guys, it, the ADP, it won't matter. We will not look at ADP. We just simply will not care about what the hive mind was saying at that moment in time. All we will care about is the production on the field. And if Gibson is crushing it, if he's catching you know, five, six passes a game, if he's getting 80, 90 yards a game, if he's doing, um, 
you know, even James Robinson, as a guy who wasn't picked or was a mid-round pick last year, if he's doing what he's doing, that's a smart investment at the 103 uh, or even 102 for Antonio Gibson. Potentially even the 101. We don't know. Um, but I can, I, as you said, Farrell, we can obviously see the potential for Antonio Gibson paying off on that 103 investment tonight. One other player who was in the news today, well, one of many players who was in the news today, was Justin Jefferson. Now, Farrell, he goes off tonight at the 308 to Jim Johnston. He gets hurt in practice today. Adam Schefter um, from ESPN is saying that Jefferson gets a sprained AC joint today in training camp, and he also says it's nothing serious. I know when I saw the update on my phone um, where he was clutching his wrist and not moving his shoulder, I immediately thought clavicle. I was like, this is going to be really bad. An AC joint, not nearly as serious. How are you changing um, where you have Justin Jefferson ranked on your board as you draft in the FFPC main event, the Football Guys Players Championship? How do you change where you view Justin Jefferson as a draft pick this year? Well, you have to wait for more legitimate uh, injury specifics. And, you know, the, the coaches don't really have to – uh, give their injury report to until before the game. But in a situation like this, um, the last person you want to believe is the player. So the, you mm-hmm. look to see how quickly the player gets back and how he's moving, you know. And it doesn't really matter how it looks. I saw a lot of commentary coming across the Twitterverse and, and Facebook and in some of the chat rooms. And, and really, um, they're... they're there just is not – we've had so many non-contact injuries that can put a player on the shelf. Just the way an injury looks is not the way to decide how uh, you can uh, expect your player availability. So keep a close, close look at what you're hearing out of that uh, medical staff and how it's being reported in Minnesota. But I still want this player – if anyone tells me that this player is is going to be less available – uh, early, but it's still going to come back and be at full strength by week three or four, then it's not going to affect my draft position at all. There's no way he slips out of that third round because he is a uh, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, and I think he's a steal in the third round. Gene Brammel, who is a uh, steal as far as medical uh, advice goes in fantasy football from footballguys.com, uh, we heard his, uh, his um, diatribe on – Michael Thomas yesterday uh, in the audible podcast. And he said, you know, basically you're looking at Michael Thomas. If you draft him, you're drafting him to be a stud starter later in the uh, 2021 NFL season. Now, if that is the case, you would think Traquan Smith is going to be a big player. However, he goes down on uh, Tuesday this past week in new Orleans, and he has not practiced in his stead. Marquez Callaway has looked great uh, as the number one receiver. In fact, Luke Johnson, who covers the Saints for the New Orleans Advocate, says that Callaway is, quote, taking ownership of being the top dog at receiver for the Saints. No Thomas, no Smith, and, and that makes Callaway essentially the de facto number one wideout. Callaway tonight is selected in the uh, Football Guys Players Championship live on HSFMO or draft at the 
Team 10 by uh, Chris Vincent and Zeb Cap as the number five receiver. Farrell, if you were drafting in the FFPC main event and the Football Guys Players Championship here on August 6, 2021, how do you value a guy like Marquez Callaway when the injuries for Thomas and Smith are, quite frankly, an unknown? Well, both he and Traquan Smith are such values, double-digit values, that you can afford to gamble, so to speak, with Callaway. And it's, it's probably not that big a gamble. He's a talented receiver. Now, last year he had a breakout game. He is a, a player that uh, is stepping forward when given the opportunity. But, hey, lots of players can grab hold of that number one uh, receiver, running back, tight end position, whatever it is, they can grab hold of that position when you're in the single-digit dates of August. Let me see the guy that's grabbing hold of that position when we're in the room uh, watching Thursday night football at the FFPC at Planet Hollywood. That's where I want to know where all these guys are. But Callaway could be there, and he could be a threat, and he is worth that. Uh, you say a 16th-round pick, those guys are quite prescient to make such a nice selection. I want to look at right now um... – uh, sort of where where he is going um, over the last three days in the um, in the uh, football guys players championship does Marquez Callaway go uh, when you consider um, that this you know information has been out on Traquan Smith over the last few days um, to to if you are looking at drafting a player like him and trying to get away with something late in your draft where you have to take him and on average over the last three days. Wide receiver 78 at the 17-10 is where Marcus Callaway is going. So certainly you can still get, get away with murder, to, so to speak, uh, late in your draft. That is going to change this weekend, no question, um, as we look at Marquez uh, Callaway's value going forward. Farrell, as long as I have you here, this is a question I was probably going to hit you up anyway, uh, regardless of you co-hosting the show or not. Darren Waller, three consecutive practices now. He has mispracticed for the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders beat writers have not let the reading and listing public in on why he has mispracticed or, you know, if, if it's injury related, if it's something else. John Gruden is supposed to speak to the Las Vegas media tomorrow, which is Saturday, uh, according to uh, the Athletics' Vic Tafur. Um, but right now, we don't know what Waller is going through. We don't know how serious it is. And I said at the top of the broadcast, I wasn't sure where Darren Waller was going to go in the draft this evening. You know, maybe tumble, tumbling to the second round. He does fall tonight, but only to the 111 to Liz Ballard, who drafts him as her first pick tonight. She does not back him up until round seven with Robert Tunyon to give you an idea of what she's thinking with Darren Waller, but my friend, what are you thinking about Darren Waller right now if you were drafting this weekend? Well, I would like to know something to think, but I don't have anything to think, and we can tip our hats to the infestive, investigative journalism department of the uh, of, of Las Vegas. They're so friendly. Uh, the, the, the journalists are so friendly with the team, they probably got an extra buffet and no Waller question. So, what I'm thinking <laughs> that we need to do uh, is, is pay attention to the coaches' news conference, uh, look to kind of see 
uh, if you can garner anything from the from the players that might have something to say about it, but this is a this is a no uh, commentary issue, uh, and there may not be anything to comment about other than hey, he was held out of practice today. I'm not going to panic about it. Good job, Liz. I would have drafted him there too. Uh, it's it's worth the. Uh, it's, it's definitely worth the uh, gamble. But, oh, man, if we got news that this player was going to miss time, that would be a sad situation, especially with the Raiders on our draft weekend having the Monday nighter against the uh, Baltimore Ravens needing everything they can have uh, to start the season in any kind of shape. Uh, and uh, Waller will be the biggest part of that. I would hate to see that game without Waller ready to go. Speaking of tight ends tonight, uh, we we spoke with Jared Hines earlier in the broadcast, and he made T.J. Hawkinson his pick as the fourth tight end off the board at the 305. That was ahead of both Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts tonight. Farrell, in, in the in the frame of get your guys, Hawkinson goes mm-hmm. to Jared Hines at the uh, 305. Smart or maybe not so smart decision there for Hines. How do you view the Hawkinson pick? They want to run the ball in Detroit. They don't have a noted, although I think they have capable wide receivers, they don't have a noted receiver as a downfield threat. There's going to be a lot of dirty business that has to be done by T.J. Hawkinson, both in the red zone and moving between the 20s. I like this pick. I think Goff will, uh, is not as bad a quarterback as everyone seems to think he is. I think he'll be competent in this offense, and that competency will serve a tight end. That's a fine pick. You can move these tight ends around any way you want after you get past the top three. Uh, you know, then you get to Pitts and Hawkinson and Andrews, and you can you can flip them around just about any way you want. And I would just be as happy with one as I would with the other one. I think Andrews has a little more upside to him, but I have teams with Hawkinson on it, and I'll be looking for him to do well. Yeah, I like Hawkinson quite a bit this year as well. Even, you know, when you consider the the downgrading quarterback from from Stafford to uh to Goff, I I still think Hawkinson is a smart pick tonight. Um Farrell, this is kind of a subject that we don't talk about a whole lot on this program, but I will broach it um uh, because of our contractual obligation with the FFPC since kickers and defenses are required in this format, you didn't see a tight end. All right, beg your pardon. You did not see a kicker or defense go off the board in the first 13 rounds tonight. But then in round 14, you saw three of them go off the board. San Francisco, the Washington football team, and New England. When you are drafting in an FFPC main event or a football guys players championship, when do you start looking at defenses? Is the 14th round too soon to look at defenses in this type of format? given that this is August 6, 2021, and people are trying to load up on potential wild cards in the second half of drafts. Yeah, it's, it's too soon for me. But in the concept that we have tonight, we're trying to win a 12-team division. Is that correct? Or a 12-team league? So um, You got it. I can, underst- I can understand that aspect. And Tell me the defenses in order again, Balky. I didn't write them down. You are looking They're at tonight, all in, the four- all in the 14th round, you are looking at New England, at the 1401, the Washington football team at the 1403, and then the San Francisco defense tonight at the 1410. We did not see another defense go off the board this evening until the 1602 in Tampa. 
Well, the, you know, this makes very good sense, uh, especially in the New England defense. They're buying into the returning players. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's how I would want to do it. But in that division, you're going to get uh, opposition uh, against a uh, rookie quarterback for the New York Jets twice. You're going to get the best that uh, Tua has to offer uh, as well. Uh, but you've got to play, uh, you've got to play a fellow up in Buffalo today that had a pretty good payday. Uh, there, so I, I really don't know. I want to look at the quarterbacks that you oppose and and see if you can make plays against them. That's why I would favor Washington. I would favor Tampa Bay uh, uh, in the FFPC. I would probably move the 49ers out of there and uh, perhaps move the Rams in if I wanted a team from that division. But yeah, it's a little early for me. And that mix of teams is. Uh, uh, they have is a bit of a head scratcher, and I think the I think the defense that I feel makes big plays is is the Baltimore Ravens. I think the defense that holds opponents to few points is the Miami Dolphins. And so, uh, whoever were able to pick up defenses in the later rounds, if you picked up those, I think you probably uh, you probably outplayed our drafters in the 14th round. One of the things, and I can't remember who brought this up, might have been Peter Overzet, might have been somebody else in uh, the fantasy football industry, but talking about shared backfields, uh, the RBBCs, if you will, and how a lot of people, their inclination is to stay away from those situations because, well, how do you know who you're going to start on a week-to-week basis? Is it going to be X guy or Y guy? You know, because if these guys are both healthy and playing in the offense, you don't know who's going to shine that day. However, what happens if one of those guys goes down? What happens if one of those guys is suspended? What happens if one of those guys is simply, you know, COVID-19? What if they're not available? And, I, and, I'll, and I'll circle back to um, a couple of instances. Zach Moss and Devin Singletary in Buffalo. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in Cleveland. Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette in Tampa. You know, there's plenty. David Johnson and Philip Lindsay in Houston. That's another one. You know, I, I and I think that when you look at the draft capital, excluding Cleveland, I guess, Raheem Mostert and Trey Sermon, San Francisco, that's another one. Excluding the, the situation in Cleveland, Farrell, sometimes I think that those running backs, while they don't look all that great during drafting season here in August, they can look great as early as mid-September if one of those players were to go down. And now all of a sudden you're looking at a huge advantage as you try to win your league or maybe, you know, get to the championship round and make a huge dent there as well. If it is a committee, both players are going to get enough play to make it go. And Cleveland's a perfect example of that. And then a, a guy misses time for a, for a short time during the season and you have a balancing. You've got a situation where San Francisco, where the head coach says he wants to run it. 500 times. I don't know if he's throwing Trey Lance into that mix, but if he does, that leaves plenty for Sermon, plenty for Mostert, and even some for Elijah Mitchell. And, you know, Jacobs and Drake, there's another breakdown of the the running backs. Uh, Robinson and Etienne, although I think Etienne's more of a receiver. We're hearing more about that every day. By the way, where did James Robinson go in the draft today? James Farrell, James Robinson tonight, the uh, the starting slash backup <laughs> running back for Jacksonville tonight. Um, well, I can tell you this, just as it to to couch it a little bit. Travis Etienne, who was the number one running back or number one draft pick 
one of one of two number one draft picks for Jacksonville tonight. Travis Etienne goes at the four oh nine tonight. James mm-hmm. Robinson, he goes much later. James Robinson tonight goes at the seven ten to Hudson Rivas his mm. number three running back. You're looking at about three rounds of difference between Etienne and James Robinson. Yeah, that professor is a uh, uh, that professor knows what he's doing. I'll tell you that, and it's a situation where at the end, and, and if he if he is largely a pass catcher, a move running back, a motion player, and he'll be very very valuable to the team if he is those things. But that's an easier option to take out of the offense by a talented defensive coordinator than it is a running back running behind an offensive line. A running game is, is a lot of will based on your your five blockers in front of you and all everyone else that contributes in the blocking game. And Robinson benefits from that. Any running back in the league benefits from that. And that kind of spread in those two players is somewhat nonsensical at this point in time, I think. But I was in a uh, football guy's draft recently where Robinson went uh, in the middle of the fifth round. And uh, I didn't draft him because I just kind of wanted to see how late he would go. And I said middle of the fifth round. I should have said fifth pick of the ninth round. I want to talk to you about a uh, topic that I had brought up uh, about halfway through the broadcast tonight, and that was John Terry's squad at the seven hole mm-hmm. tonight. Now he starts off his, his squad and I want to talk to you about this, but three running backs, he has five receivers by the end of round nine. But then you look at what he did in rounds 10 and 11. He was John U. Smith for his number one tight end. And then in the, in the 11th round, Hunter Henry is his number two tight end. What kind of value is there in a football guys players championship draft? And by the way, he has, he, he finishes his draft with no other tight ends. There was those only tight ends he drafted, John Smith and Hunter Henry, real-life teammates in New England. What kind of value is there when you draft and invest draft capital into the, the New England tight end situation with Smith and Henry back-to-back? Well, here I would have liked to have seen another tight end because I'm really not a numbers guy, but I can test that these guys are going to have the same bye week. So I would have liked to have seen another tight end. However, Smith is the guy that releases at the line and stays in to block. He's physical. He gets good hands on the ball. He catches the ball in traffic. He can run over linebackers. He's a very, very good tight end for Belichick's system. Hunter Henry is a downfield receiver. He'll run the skinny post better than any tight end in the NFL. This was something I was doing as soon as these players were signed in free agency, and this is a genius move. We could have used one more tight end here, but this is a genius move. It's an excellent play. New England's desire to have two tight ends on the field all the time of Coach Belichick predates even the Hernandez-Gronkowski years. And it is uh, it's the past being prologued to the 2021 season. I love this strategy. I love those two players. Uh, where What position did he draft out of? John Terry was in the seventh spot tonight. It even makes it more difficult to accomplish this when you're towards the middle. I think the only time I've been really able to do it was when I was on the end because the players are so closely packed uh, to each other. A good job, John Terry. I like what you did here. Uh, We like, as far as, and when I say we, I mean all my dynasty teams that own Nico Collins. Um, Mm -hmm. We like what the Athletics' Aaron Reese is reporting about him saying that he's seen, quote, plenty 
of the first-team reps in training camp this year. Now, Nico Collins, as a refresher, for those of you who may not play Dynasty, he was a third-round pick in the NFL draft this year and um, has the opportunity to start opposite Brandon Cooks in this Houston Texans offense. He's 6'4", so obviously he's much more of a red zone threat in, uh, than, than Brandon Cooks is. He had an 89th percentile speed score, 77th percentile burst score, and 94th percentile catch radius. Now, he is not going to be a guy that the Texans scheme into games. He is not going to be the type of guy where he is going to you know, threaten double-digit targets every single game. However, Farrell, he is going to be a threat if, and, and, a, and a worthwhile fantasy investment if he is indeed the starting or one of the starting uh, wide receivers for the Texans this year. Tonight, Jared Hines drafts Nico Collins tonight at the 16.08 as his number eight, I believe, receiver. Yeah, number eight receiver. What are your thoughts on Nico Collins this year? as not a dynasty play, but as a potential lottery ticket redraft play. It's an absolutely brilliant play, and it also allows me, with about six minutes left in the show, to point out to all the listeners that Chase Claypool was a third-round pick last year. I was worried. I wasn't ah, there that. you go. But I did get it in, and, you know, maybe this guy is this year's Claypool. He goes to a situation where there's not a lot of receiver help, much unlike Pittsburgh, and his role will be widened. So he's in a situation where last year Claypool had a defined role. Uh, any rookie receiver or any receiver on this team has a, a, a big, big question mark at quarterback, a new situation for a team that's not very good. And sometimes, you know, uh, teams that are not very good, 1-15, and 2-14, and 14, uh, will get an extra game this year, so whatever it comes out to be. But those teams can produce – uh, offensive standouts in fantasy football. And Collins lines up to sort of be that kind of guy, uh, which is a big target. And the catch radius is very important because I'm not so sure the quarterbacks are that accurate. Um, conversation for Watson being on the field is another day. But, yes, this is an excellent pick in the 16th round. Uh, Collins uh, looks like he's going to fight through lots of opportunities uh, to uh, – I fight through lots of uh, uh, situational uh, opportunities to make a splash on the field and stay on the field because there's not players uh, available or many players on the Houston roster uh, that look like and play like him. No, there's not. And how nervous were you last night when you're watching that Hall of Fame game uh, with the Cowboys and Steelers? Chase Claypool makes that great catch, and then he leaves the field. How nervous are you at mm-hmm. being – president or at least VP of the National Chase Claypool <laughs> Fan Club. A lot of years in this have, have kept me not to be nervous about players as they walk off the field. And the, the television camera doesn't stay on them, but you watch the attention that they get off the field and you watch how they how they act when they're on the sidelines. But, you know, the only thing really, the only injury that I fear that can't be treated by the medical staff and means things for not only the player, but for fantasy football, are the head injuries and concussions. Those can't be fought. They can't be, they, they can't be medicated. And they can't be cured. 
uh, only time will allow a player to move through those. So those are really, from a fantasy perspective, uh, the only thing that really, really bothers me. Farrell, from a fantasy perspective, was there anything to glean from the Hall of Fame game between the Cowboys and Steelers with so many starters missing action, so many starters held out? We, you know, we did see Deontay Johnson. We did see Chase Claypool. We saw Najee Harris, Tony Pollard. Was there anything to glean from that game, or are you kind of just kind of throwing it out at this point? Well, the only thing that I could take from that issue of that game, Balky, was that uh, Najee Harris looks good and clean in the uniform. He's moving very, very well. Uh, I don't know what Jarwin's availability was in the game last night, but it looked like Dallas was quickly interested in having their second team on the field. And if Jarwin could play, that means that he may be the first tight end. That's been a question mark in my mind. I think everybody's given him that job. Uh, Schultz, uh, to me, was a very capable player, so I just I just wasn't prepared to handle that uh, that position to Jarwin. And Dallas uh, Dallas has a lot of good depth at the wide receiver spot. Uh, if anything happens to the main three, it looks like they're going to be okay. They will be okay. I love the Dallas offense this year. This will be a recurring theme as we continue our shows throughout August, and I will let the listeners know into who I will be targeting when I draft in my fantasy leagues coming up, including the illustrious, the infamous, the incomparable Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com. Plenty of drafts going on there. Slow drafts underway. We got live drafts kicking off on Sunday at KFFSC.com. And don't forget, if you want to draft in person in Cincinnati or Louisville and compete against myself, many of the other past guests and future guests of this program, uh, you can do so at KFFSC.com. Give Farrell a call, 502-523-5057, so he can help you get registered for the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship so you can take your claim in trying to win the main event this year. Looking forward to it, Farrell. I cannot wait for Louisville. I cannot wait for next week when you and I will do this again, man. Thank you so much for hanging out tonight, and we'll talk to you again real soon, dude. Availability is the best ability, Balky, and I'll see you on time next week. You got it. Thank you so much, Farrell. Always appreciate any whatever you can give me. Whatever you can give this show, we appreciate it. You are the man, Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank Farrell, uh, the FFPC, our producer, and mutual friend, Rob. Of course, our audio engineer, my best friend, Bryce, and most of all, all of our listeners. The draft has been completed for the last couple of minutes. Apologies that we could not get to team-by-team evaluation, but if you want to evaluate these teams team-by-team, we will post uh, the final draft board on all our social media channels, the FFPC, Eric Balfin, and High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour on Twitter, and of course, all the Facebook pages as well as the FFPC draft board, uh, so you can chime in, let us know your thoughts on how each and every one of these teams did. Um, we are back on the air next Friday at 10, 9 central and a special treat. So we will have, I believe, multiple guests for each and every episode going all the way up until the live FFPC events in Las Vegas when we will not have a show that kicks off the double trouble guests next week, five time football guys, league champ, Elliot LaFleur, as well as fantasy football masterminds, Michael Nazarick. They will both be on the program next week. Cannot wait for that. Register for the inaugural best ball tournament today. Spots are running out on that. It won't be long before that will be sold out. The Football Guys Players Championship 
We're running white hot. Midnight draft coming off tonight. Make sure you're signing up for that, as well as all the drafts this weekend. Cannot wait to see you take a shot at $500,000. And, of course, Dynasty Startups, main event teams, and more at MyFFPC.com. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Your weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. This will conclude our live draft coverage for 2021. I certainly appreciate each and every one of you paying attention for all of our pros versus Joe's drafts, our football guys players championship draft tonight. I want to thank Jared Hines, Norm Barons, and of course, Chris Vincent for contacting us, making some picks live on air. These are three of the more accomplished high stakes fantasy football players you will get out there. And I would encourage you uh, to follow their advice. You can follow Jared on Twitter at uh, ship underscore chaser follow norm on twitter at amity hooks and of course chris vincent on twitter at ff juggernaut um, you will be smarter for doing so and uh, certainly it is going to be a bloodbath uh, trying to determine a champion of this league we'll be back next week with nazarick and lafleur and elliot and myself balkman thanks so much for listening everybody have a great weekend i'll see you in the draft rooms for the FPC, the best ball tournament, and more at myffpc.com. Thanks so much for listening, everybody.